Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Let's go. Hour number two of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Wednesday. It's April 19th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. You have the contest between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Arizona Diamondbacks underway. The Cardinals remain on top three to two, but in the top of the third here, Diamondbacks looking to take advantage they have runners on second and third with christian walker at the plate and uh looks like he is going to fly out to center and we'll see if uh they can get a run to tag home and it is all tied up at three apiece so we'll continue to monitor that game throughout the rest of the hour but as we neither of these pitchers are throwing strikes this is you know woodford and uh madison bumgarner a high strike uh, very low strike uh, percentage so far in this game for either pitcher. Uh, as we typically do, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. In regards to the Suns getting the Game 2 victory over the Clippers, what was the bigger reason for the Suns' Game 2 victory, basketball skills or effort? And you'll be happy to know that effort is no longer leading by a 100% to 0% margin, but effort still out in front, 67%, basketball skills trailing at 33%. Okay, I can live with that. I mean, the 100% thing was just wrong. <laughs> so I can live with the you know, you know, two-thirds vote. I can go for that. That, that makes more sense. Uh, then we'll answer that question around 1130 today. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. This has been a hot topic since the weekend. Should the NBA ban the weak side defensive charging foul that resulted in injuries on Sunday to Giannis and John Morant? No leading the way at 62.2%. Yes, trailing at 37.8%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Yeah, once again, uh, you mentioned hot topic, and uh, especially a hot topic. Uh, Zach Harper, uh, who writes for The Athletic now, uh, wrote a column about this after the uh, Sunday injuries. And, uh, yeah, I listened to a podcast with Zach Moderated, and that included uh, you know, frequent sports zone guest uh, Mo DeKeel. And uh, if you have access to The Athletic, you should uh, listen to that podcast. Uh, it was very good. And uh, needless to say, and in, in, inspired. I was thinking about something like that before I you know, read Zach's story and, and heard the podcast, but this just uh, further inspired me to ask this question. Well, we'll get to it around 11.30 today. You can chime in as well. Provide your thoughts on it at 11.15-602-260-1060 is the number. Let's get into the NBA action for tonight as the playoffs round one continue. The Lakers and the Grizzlies uh, from this morning. Lakers minus one, Grizzlies plus one on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. This gets underway at 4.30 p.m. The update, John Morant listed as questionable for tonight. And according to Taylor Jenkins, 
He is a game time decision. The MRI showed soft tissue damage between the bones in his hand. So therefore, if John Morant unable to go, they'll be turning things over to Tyus Jones. He would get the start. And obviously the Grizzlies would look a little bit different without John Morant on the court. Agreed. Uh, Tyus Jones is a really good player, by the way. Um, yeah, he's almost never turns the ball over. Uh, that was the case in college, and that's kind of continued into the uh, the NBA. So uh, it's not as massive a drop. You're not going to get the spectacular plays, but you're going to get fewer turnovers and much better defense because for whatever reason, I think it has something to do with effort to some extent. Uh, but Morant's a horrendous defensive player. I mean, really bad defensively. Well, speaking of defensive player, Jaron Jackson Jr., a teammate of his, he actually won Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but without Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, obviously we saw it take place in Game 1. I'd have to think the Lakers are going to try to try to take advantage of it once again. A huge size advantage for the Lakers with Anthony Davis. Uh, speaking of Davis, some numbers here. The Grizzlies shot 5 of 21 with Davis as the defender at the rim and 0 for 5 on threes with Davis as the defender, according to NBA advanced stats. Yeah, and I actually didn't think Davis got enough touches offensively. He was in LeBron didn't do a whole lot in this game. He was like the fourth leading scorer uh, for the Lakers in that game. You had Reeves and Hachimura and I forgot the further. That would have been the three guys ahead of, of LeBron. But anyway, uh, it just seems like, and I thought this before the series started, uh, without Adams and uh, and Clark, I just think that this, this is a really bad matchup for the for Memphis. And if you don't have length, uh, you know, you're going against uh, Davis and uh yeah, and Hachimura, I know, has got length, but, I mean, he just kind of just jacks up shots. And he didn't miss any of those shots in game one. He made it damn near every one of them. Will the Grizzlies try to counter and go small, or better yet, should I ask, would you, if you were the Grizzlies, try to counter and go small? I don't think they have any choice. I mean, they don't really have a whole lot of length. Um, you know, two of their three studs are out. So I'm not sure what they can do. Um, I think they're just kind of doomed in this series, quite frankly. Uh, so will the Lakers go up 2-0? I would certainly expect, though, uh, that that happens. And, uh, you know, they're actually favored now to, to win the game, uh, which isn't that surprising. You know, the Morant thing is supposedly a pain tolerance. How much? You know, that kind of self-explanatory. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But, uh uh, I'm not betting on this game, but if I were, I couldn't. I can't make a case for the Grizzlies. Moving into the Eastern Conference, the Heat and the Bucks. Heat plus six and a half. Bucks minus six and a half. Uh, Six p.m. tip-off in this contest. Without Tyler Hero, where do the Heat get twenty plus points? And I have a question: Are they really going to shoot the lights out again from behind the arc? That's not really their game, but they they certainly did it in Game One. I think you just answered your question. That's really not their game. In fact, they're a horrendous. They're the worst offensive team in the playoffs, uh, in in pretty much every statistical you know category you want to look. If you want to look old time stats or new time stats or stats in between old and new, they're not good offensively. Yeah, you know, Hero uh, reported yesterday. I forgot by who. I apologize for that, but reported somebody yesterday that he's out for the playoffs unless. The Heat get to the finals, and uh, I'm thinking that they're probably not going to get to the finals. 
and then the Giannis thing. The Bucks, yeah, I don't know this for sure, but it seems like maybe more than any team in the league, you know, I'm pretty much the guy that pays attention to the playoffs and not during the regular season. But, you know, they've had some playoff injuries, and I remember the Middleton thing last year. seemed like we really didn't uh, know from the Bucks, and I'm not blaming them. It's the playoffs, et cetera. We didn't really know what was going on from game to game with Middleton last year. And uh, I think the same thing's going on with Giannis right now. I assume that they know if he's going to play or not, but they're not telling us. Uh, that's correct. Giannis listed as doubtful for tonight. Uh, so obviously the game changes for the Bucks when Giannis isn't on the court. They did have to play, uh, you know, 20 or so games without Giannis in the regular yeah. season this year. So they've done it before. They have an above 500 record when he's not on the court. But I think you're going to need stronger performances from Middleton and Holiday. And then I would also imagine that with Budenholzer knowing Giannis isn't going to be playing, that a completely different game plan will be inserted. Well, to me, the guy that really has to step out, uh, step up if Giannis doesn't play is Brooke Lopez, who had a really good season. I didn't realize how good a season he had, not watching a ton of regular season Bucks basketball. Uh, I didn't realize how good he was until the playoffs the other day, and they mentioned his numbers, and then he didn't have, you know, he had, he had okay game on on whatever day that was when uh, Saturday or Sunday. Sunday, I guess that was. Uh, but he need to, if, if Giannis isn't playing, Lopez is going to have to really play much better. Back to the Western Conference, the Timberwolves and the Nuggets, a 7 p.m. start. The Timberwolves plus 8.5, the Nuggets minus 8.5. Uh, Jokic is apparently dealing with a right wrist issue, but he says he's fine. Uh, question marks here for me. Will Carl Anthony Towns struggle mightily like he did in game one, or uh, will we start to see him play a little bit better? And then also, Anthony Edwards for the Timberwolves has just kind of been inconsistent at best so far. Yeah, I would think that's an excellent way to describe that. <laughs> but that's kind of his game, right? I mean, he's not exactly a pillar of consistency from game to game. Uh, you know, really, in his uh, basketball career at least since i've seen him uh, at georgia he was either great or is he actually out there <laughs> he's kind of missing in action sometimes i think that's happened to the nba too you mentioned the Jokic thing in addition to that you know murray's got a thumb problem but I, i'm not exactly sure when this happened because you know part of that game the other day he was shooting the lights out so i'm not exactly sure what the, what when this occurred but I did hear mention last night that you know, he's he'd been bothered by a thumb injury, and I'm thinking, well, when was he bothered? He wasn't, you know, I didn't watch a ton of that first game because I was mostly watching the Suns and the Clippers post-game press conferences on NBA TV uh, at that point. But you know, when I was watching the, the the Nuggets games, it sure seemed like that Murray was fine. Uh, then you have the NBA slowly announcing some awards. We have Defensive Player of the Year being announced with Jaron Jackson Jr. Clutch Player of the Year went to De'Aaron Fox. Today, it'll be Coach of the Year. And then April 20th, it'll be Sixth Man of the Year announced. Yeah, okay. So the Jackson thing, I don't think anybody was surprised about that. Uh, you know, it's or somebody that uh, casually follows the, pre, the, uh, the regular season. Seems like I've been hearing since like you know, the 20 minutes after the season started back in October that he was the defensive player of the year. Seems like this has been going on for a long time. So no big surprise there. 
Uh, the Fox thing, uh, you know, he had the most clutch points, uh, not per game, but most clutch points total uh, of anybody in the NBA this season. And that tells you a couple things. One, obviously, he made some big shots. The other thing I could tell you, since it's a cumulative number in the most clutch points of anybody, the Kings were a whole bunch of close games to qualify for the clutch point category. Uh, and uh, the coach of the year has got to be Mike Brown. They could wait on this one. Usually they hustle up these awards because they already know who won. Uh, usually they try to uh, announce these things before the team with the player or the coach has a home game so they can like you know honor him in front of their home crowd before that uh, home team gets eliminated. <laughs> so they, they got you know obviously you know the the Kings are going to play uh, at least one more well maybe not they might sweep the Warriors now with the Draymond thing uh but you know the Kings you would think uh are going to play at least one more home game. Well, let's get into that a little bit here. Draymond Green uh, has been suspended one game for stomping on DeMontis Sabonis. The NBA's statement read in part, quote, the suspension was based in part on Green's history of unsportsman acts. You also had the factor that Adam Silver was in the building for this game. And then you also had Draymond's antics riling up the fan base and the crowd uh, while this review was taking place. So I think... I, I don't know. Let, let's take a step back for a second. And do you do you agree that their statement even says that it's based upon a history of his acts as opposed to just looking at it as the isolated incident? Not only do I agree with it, I applaud it. I mean, good for them. I mean, it put up with this crap from him for all these years. Um, you know, and the, the Warriors, I say the same thing, that to put up with this crap from them. Uh, from him for all these years and not only i heard uh, this is not an original thought i heard this a couple of places uh, this morning uh, on nba podcast but uh you know not only uh did draymond pretty much eliminate any chance for the warriors of coming back in this series uh they pretty much uh you know his suspension here pretty much uh, ends the warriors quote dynasty however you like to phrase it uh, you know, they can't keep him after this crap again. He's got to go. Uh, yeah, you have just the way that the season started, him punching Jordan Poole. Uh, then you have just how many playoff series have we seen this where he's been suspended for something? And you also lost have him a championship. I was going to say they lost a championship because of it as well. Um, so for, for Clay and for Steph Curry, they have to be pretty – pretty upset that they're one down 0-2 so they're not happy with that situation and then you don't have Draymond and yes Draymond offensively has not been Draymond of old but he certainly is a great facilitator he's certainly very cerebral on the basketball court and you don't really have somebody on your roster that can fill in for his shoes so this certainly changes a lot of things for for the Warriors uh, in a must-win situation for game three. Correct. They're already small. They're going to get smaller now. Uh, you know, Draymond also is you know, tremendous at setting screens. And as you mentioned, you know, he just has a – when he has the ball in his hands, it's amazing some of the things that he does. You know, he's a very smart player as opposed to, as opposed, you know, basketball-wise and then all the thug crap uh, is a whole different deal there. But – uh, so that's a big difference. I think the, the the Warriors' biggest problem in this series so far is they have no chance 
of basically you know stopping De'Aaron Fox, and a lot of people don't. Obviously, he had the most clutch points, as we just mentioned. Uh, so that's not a that's kind of a league-wide problem because he's really good. But they also have had no chance of slowing down Malik Monk. And those two guys have pretty much done anything they wanted at any place on the floor in the first two games of the series. Are we not – maybe this is just me, so I don't want to say we. Uh, are we not giving enough credit to Mike Brown and his understanding of the Warriors roster because of how much time he spent – uh, as an assistant coach there and so understanding the players and then maybe understanding Steve Kerr and some of the adjustments that he would typically like to make. Yeah, I think that's part of it, sure, but maybe a little bit overrated and it's something we talked about with our guest from Sacramento last week and uh, he thought it was kind of overrated too and, and I don't disagree with him on this and Bumgarner just gave up a home run, shockingly. Three-run yeah, home run. Not exactly anything that if you're driving right now, you're not driving off the road in shock that Bumgarner just gave up a three-run homer. Uh, anyway, uh, but back, sorry, uh, to the Mike Brown thing. Yeah, I think it certainly can't, can't hurt, but I really don't know what adjustments Steve Kerr can make right now. This just appears to be you know, a physical thing. They can't, you know, as I just mentioned, just mentioned they can't keep Fox and, and Monk doing for whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And now they got to go even smaller because Draymond's not playing. That game Thursday, as it was this morning on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, Kings plus five, Warriors minus five. You mentioned the bases clearing three-run home run. Prior to that, another run for the Cardinals went across here in the bottom of the third. So it's now Cardinals on top seven to three. Bumgarner had... Edmund hit that home run, by the way. Yes. It's 390 feet. He's a little runt. I mean, he just crushed it. To left center field. Uh, Bumgarner has 78 pitches, uh, two outs in the bottom of the third. Now with the with the Cardinals on top, seven to three. We'll take your calls right now, and we'll get to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. He's Bob Kemp. I'm Kayla Mortolaro. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com, and of course with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Hopefully you've downloaded the KDOS 1060 app, registered, and are taking advantage of the listener rewards. In addition to that, right now, in the month of April, Superbook Sports giving you an opportunity to win a $100 gift certificate. So just follow along with the parameters and you are entered in to that particular contest. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program here. The Diamondbacks, uh, they were able to get out of the third inning, 7-3, to three, to start the top of the fourth, a solo home run by Paven Smith. So it is now 7-4. to four. Uh, Quite a contest with the uh, the bats so hopefully as you had mentioned earlier somebody took the over got two bad starting pitchers here and uh you know 
Alec Thomas just made an out on a rocket to third base, and Arenado, who I think is the best defensive third baseman of my lifetime, and I'm pretty old. Uh, so you know, he's he had he was actually this this ball was hit so hard he was like on his you know, on his knees by the time he actually caught it. So uh, we'll see. Uh, this this is not going to these pitchers are not long for this game, and Bumgarner's just been really bad so far. Seven hits, seven earned runs, four strikeouts, and he has like he has seven strikeouts for the season. Uh, Bumgarner does in four starts now. That's not good. Uh, that's not just not good. <laughs> uh, we'll get into some NFL topics here, but I wanted to make mention of this email I received. My apologies. I didn't get to the phone in time when we had caller segment in uh, the 10 o'clock hour, but we were talking about uh, baseball and Clayton Kershaw and his injuries due to having to travel to Australia to play those games between the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers some years ago back in 2014. Uh, But the interesting part here is that apparently Major League Baseball, to get things ready for this contest, ended up uh, importing official Major League Baseball dirt from San Diego. They imported 250 metric tons Thankfully, the email tells me how many metric tons are in pounds. It's 2,200 pounds. So they ended up paying to ship 550,000 pounds of official dirt from San Diego to Sydney, Australia, to get ready for those two games in which, of course, you chronicled in the 10 o'clock hour, uh, resulted in some different injuries for different players. Yeah, Kershaw and Patrick Corbin injured. (laughs) Uh, because they went to Australia. Now, they might have been injured anyway, uh, but uh, that didn't help matters. And certainly uh, the ramp up to the start of the season for that uh, two-game series in Australia, Patrick Corbin uh, ended up uh, injuring his shoulder. Um, and I think that was probably because he rushed things, rushed into things. And I remember Corbin talking about this at the time. One week and one day away from the first round of the NFL draft. And so we're certainly getting into the smokescreen portion of uh, the NFL draft and who's feeding the, what the, inside the, or you're what. Such a nice, you're such a nice person. It's the lying period. <laughs> don't, don't believe anything that you hear because uh, you're going to hear some seemingly crazy stuff. Some of it's probably true, but some of it's probably really crazy. Um, the one thing that affects the Cardinals, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm on a roll here. Um, the fact that you know, Will Anderson may not even be available at number three because it appears the tennis, the uh, the Houston Texans are very interested in him with the number two pick now. Yes, that actually feeds right into what Adam Schefter was saying and kind of making his day one draft day predictions that the Panthers, this is now kind of the overall sentiment. It has also been reflective in the uh, betting odds as well that the Panthers are going to take Bryce Young at number one. And now what's also circulating around is that the Texans aren't going to take a quarterback. Uh, that Adam Schefter is quoted here as saying, we've been hearing about p- quarterbacks going one, two, three, four. That's not going to happen, I believe, in this draft. I think Indianapolis thinks there's a real chance right now that they could sit right where they are at four and get potentially the second quarterback in this draft. So if the Texans don't take a quarterback, I'm just thinking this through here, that is 
really puts the Cardinals in a precarious situation trying to move on from move down in the draft to accumulate more draft picks because it, it's all surrounding the quarterback, right? True. I mean, the other thing on this, though, uh, you know, why would they keep the third pick if Will Anderson's not even available? That, okay, fair enough. Yeah, because we were talking about it off air that you could get uh, Tyree Wilson and uh, he much later on in the draft. And there's been some some comparisons to him and uh, Jalen Carter as well. True. Um, you know, different players, obviously. But, uh, you know, the Wilson, I mean, the, one of the uh, mock drafts, so I think it was uh, that was Kuiper's, Mel dra- Kuiper's mock draft last week. Um, he had the Cardinals, uh, you know, slopping out picks with the Tennessee. And Tennessee's 12, and he had Wilson going 12 uh, to the Cardinals at that point. Seems like the Wilson has picked up some more steam since then. He was uh, not that this had anything to do with the draft as far as where he's going to be drafted, but he was a guest on Good Morning Football this morning. And he's more than making the rounds. He's actually in New York City. He was in studio on uh, Good Morning Football this morning on NMLB and uh, NFL Network. Uh, then you also have Ian Rappaport saying here that uh, the 49ers have been receiving inquiry inquiries from several teams about a potential trade for Trey Lance. San Francisco, he, he makes sure to mention this part, that San Francisco is receiving calls. They're not Correct. the ones making yes. the calls, and therefore right. no trade is imminent. Uh, but this is certainly interesting to note, at least for, for kind of watching this whole thing unfold and how they gave up a lot to move up to get Trey Lance, the injuries, et cetera, Brock Purdy's emergence, but he's not healthy right now. He still has to go through the rehabbing process. And I thought I had saw some sort of quote from Brock Purdy, maybe last week or the week before that this season for him was not a total guarantee. Right. Well, I don't think there's any question that Lance is going to be back. And uh, I thought I heard that Lance was going to be ready for at least some of the offseason stuff. Uh, And I don't think you can say that certainly for Brock Purdy. So that'll be an interesting and fascinating watch for the 49ers because they have the team and the pieces around them. They've just been searching for the quarterback to plug in. Correct. And I'm actually, uh, you know, I think I'm in the minority here. I actually think that Lance has a really good chance to be a really good quarterback. In San Francisco, just get the ball to your playmakers, of which they have many, and they still have most of those dudes uh, that they've had the last couple of years. So, you know, and the fact that he is a running threat, I think this kind of adds to the fact that he should be able to get the ball to the playmakers easier than, uh, say, somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, who has no running ability whatsoever, no matter whether you like Jimmy G or whether you don't. Allen Robinson is going to have a new home in Pittsburgh. The Steelers will get Robinson and pick number 251. The Rams will get pick number 234. The Rams, though, have to pay $10.25 million of Robinson's salary. Pittsburgh will pay $5 million of the salary here. Uh, surprised that it didn't work out for Allen Robinson and the Rams? A little bit. I mean, uh, you know, I always felt sorry for Allen Robinson uh, who really was incredibly productive in his career. Uh, when you consider he had Blaine Gabbard as his quarterback in Jacksonville and, uh, and I forgot, Trubisky in Chicago, it's amazing that any wide receiver could get accompli- really accomplish anything with uh, bad quarterback play to begin with. 
Speaking of Blaine Gabbert, he has a new team. He's going to be backing up Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. They were looking for a new backup uh, after uh, Matt, uh, why am I blanking on his last name, uh, retired. He had the best gig going, but there were certainly some key moments in those playoffs where he had to come in and, and move the chains and secure some playoff victories for those Chiefs. That's true. Um, you know, two playoff games specifically helped out uh, for sure. One play, one the, the, was that against the Texans or whoever it was against? Uh, no, it was Cleveland, right? Cleveland, when Baker yes. had his one good run in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, he had to make some plays, and he did. So good for him. Uh, Chad Henney. Uh, there we go, Chad Henney. Matt is, I don't know who Matt is, Chad Henney. Yeah, Chad Henney played for Michigan like a, two decades ago. Literally, you know, the – the epic Ohio State-Michigan game in 2007, he was the quarterback for Michigan in that game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's been around a long time. I didn't even know he retired. And hell, I mean, he must really have a night, you know, decided he just didn't want to play football anymore. He's got a good, you know, that's a good gig backing up Mahomes, and he's been successful doing it and obviously knows the offense and the other thing is, you know, those two games in the postseason when he made plays, Andy Reid trusted him to make plays too. And, uh, you know, sometimes backup quarterbacks just aren't any good. And uh, sometimes you need a backup quarterback who the coach actually trusts. And uh, Andy Reid clearly trusts you know, Chad Henney, no question. Uh, he will be 38 years old this summer, so maybe that had yeah, something like to said, do with it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, like I said, he he played in that. He was a starting quarterback for Michigan in that 2007 game. And you can go out on a high note. You win a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's true. Well, Madison Bumgarner's day is done. Three innings, seven hits, seven runs, four walks, two strikeouts, one home run, 80 pitches. The Cardinals lead 7-4 to four as they head to the bottom of the fourth inning. We will answer today's I predicted, poll. I predict the final score is not 7-4. to four. That's probably a fair prediction. Yeah, I'm trying to stick my neck out there. <laughs> we'll answer today's poll questions on the other side of the break. KDOS1060.com as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. It is the Extra Point. Interact with Bob Kim's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Eleven forty-one, right here on KDUS AM ten sixty, online at KDUS ten sixty.com, and with the KDUS ten sixty app, powered by SuperBook Sports. Let's dive into the poll questions. Start with the KDUS ten sixty.com poll question revolving around the Suns' victory over the Clippers last night to even the series one-one. What was the bigger reason for the Suns' game two victory? Basketball skills or effort? I'm going basketball skills. I mean, they shot 58% for an entire NBA playoff game. Uh, So I'm going with that. Certainly there was more effort. But I do think that, you know, maybe I got sucked into this a little bit too. You know, it's sometimes uh, difficult to distinguish effort from just physically being able to make plays. 
And I don't think the Suns are going to get a whole lot of loose balls in this series because, let's face it, the Suns are not the quickest and most athletic team in the world. However, the Clippers are. I mean, they've got several perimeter players. We've obviously seen, you know, the Clippers beat Chris Paul off the bounce. And I'm guessing if Cam, I can guarantee you if campaign was playing, he wouldn't be able to guard any of these guys either. Um, so, like I said, there's a you know differentiating point there that uh, sometimes it's difficult to do. It's not like it's the Atlanta Hawks and you just see like four of their five players jogging back on defense while the, the Celtics are you know basically throwing two passes and getting a dunk at the other end, which is what happened in that game last night. Uh, but I, I don't I think the Suns you know, one of the biggest problems they're going to have in this series is just getting loose balls. And it's not necessarily completely because the Clippers are playing harder. The Clippers are just quicker to the ball because they have better athleticism. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know that effort could really be challenged in game one because they exuded a lot of effort to try to get back into that game. Maybe you could say the intensity wasn't matched from the start, but you could also say that, you know, Kevin Durant scored zero points in the first quarter. So I don't know how many times that's going to keep happening. Um, I think the thing here that really showed up is that they took advantage of the Clippers D. They were able to knock down the open shots that no matter if the Clippers were doubling, whether or not they dropped into zones, uh, whatever they decided to do, the Suns were able to be one step ahead of them on the offensive side of the ball. And like I said, Devin Booker was the man making his shots. You had contributions as well from Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton. He couldn't miss there for a stretch as well as Chris Paul. So uh, I think just kind of effort has has really been there. It's the playoffs. The, the It's there. It all came together with the basketball skills and the strategy behind it. I do think we continue to see that there is a hole in the bench play and whether or not it's going to be sustainable for 45 minutes a night for Devin Booker to keep playing at the level that he is. Hopefully that doesn't get thrown into an effort category. That could just be fatigue. True, even though if we were doing L.A. talk radio, and I already mentioned this uh, earlier, that you know, how long can Kawhi Leonard, you know, without the extra time between games, I mean, once we get past the fourth game of this series, there is extra time past games, you know, five, six, and seven, if it would go that long. But, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who has been on kind of load management for a lot of the season, I mean, that dude's playing 40-plus minutes and doing everything at both ends of the floor for them. So I think that, uh, you know, as far as minutes played in this series, I think it's a bigger concern for the Clippers because of Leonard and just him him solely than it is how many minutes the Suns are playing. The masses continue to be on the effort side of things at 70% of the vote. Basketball skills sitting at 30%. This is KDOS1060.com. Let's flip this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Something that has been a hot button issue since the weekend. Should the NBA ban the weak side defensive charging foul that resulted in injuries on Sunday to Giannis and Ja Morant? So I think, first of all, we can 
probably all agree that guys are incredibly athletic and they play now with such tremendous speed. So to me, it's actually kind of surprising that some of these injuries don't happen more often when they're getting airborne and landing awkwardly and something happens. So I'm a little surprised we don't actually see this more often. Um, I don't know that I want to go so far as to say a ban, but I think you have to find a way that makes it equitable to change the way that the rule is written and what is allowed. Because oftentimes you see a guy is already airborne and then the defensive player slides in to try to establish position and therefore you're the person in the air you can't really change your path you're already moving with your momentum in that direction so banning it all together seems like it gives way too much of a shift to the offensive side of the game and I don't know that we want to swing that far but I think in order for player safety you have to look into something. I don't think it's that big of a differential here. Weak side is the key here. Uh, if you know, a guy that is just guarding a guy straight up and you know, if he slams into you and you create position that that, that I think that's a whole different deal here. And once again, this question was uh, somewhat inspired, largely inspired uh, by Zach Harper's story at the athletic about this on Sunday night, Monday morning. And also a podcast at The Athletic, which Zach moderated. And if you have access to that, one more final time on this one uh, for me, then you should check that out because it was really well discussed, uh, including Mo DeKeel, who joined us in the sports zone uh, during the, especially you know, really during the playoffs, probably more than any other time. So it was good stuff. Uh, but I think there's a differentia- uh, differentiating factor here. Yeah, you know, when you have a weak side defender just kind of come out of nowhere and you know try to draw a charge, and the guy's airborne, and you know we saw you know, the two injuries on Sunday, obviously, where this kind of all this started. And actually, I've had this discussion with other people in the past, but not to this extent because I don't remember a day where you know, two of the most high-profile players in the NBA were injured on similar plays. And and you know, the Morant thing is obviously you know trying to figure out how he can have a, you know, quote, soft landing, and you really can't in that situation. And obviously Giannis had the back thing. So, you know, I think it's just kind of reached its height now. But this has been something that's been talked about before. And, uh, you know, I'm maybe the wrong guy to talk about charging fouls. You know, I played pickup basketball back in the day, and I think the only charging foul I drew in my life where, you know, basically I turned around and I didn't see a guy coming and he ran me over. And that was a charging foul. So I didn't mean to draw a charge. Dude just ran me over. Um, so I remember that was like in 1975 or something. And I still remember it was painful because he li- just ran. He literally just ran me over. And remember uh, a couple of my friends who I played a lot of games with over the years you were, hey, nice job there. Great. I'm thinking, I didn't really mean to do that. I just, you know, the guy just ran over me. But uh, anyway, so like I said, maybe I'm the wrong guy to judge on charging fouls. But this has been a discussion from time to time over the years. I think just kind of reached this zenith because of what happened on Sunday to two star players. The masses, no, 60.9% of the vote. Yes, 39.1%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. We will head on out to break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up this Wednesday, April 19th edition of Extra Point. When it comes to the happenings 
on the the diamond for the Diamondbacks. They're still down uh, seven to four. They have Solomon. Peter Solomon is in the game now, replacing Madison Bumgarner. He has one out so far. Oh, and he think he just struck out another person. So now he has two outs and one person on second base in the bottom of the fifth. The Cardinals on top seven to four. We'll wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. of the fifth inning not going well for the Diamondbacks and Solomon here he had two outs he's given up two more runs it's now nine to four Cardinals over the Diamondbacks in this game three of the series Bob Kemp Kayla Mortolaro with you welcome back to the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports Bob it's thank you time Mr. Solomon, by the way, uh, one of many pitchers in Major League Baseball, not necessarily just on the Diamondbacks, who really shouldn't be in the Major Leagues. All right. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sips in the cracks. Also, our guest today. Actually, we didn't have a guest today, as it turns out. And uh, so we'll uh, you know, hopefully catch up with Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com at a future date and talk some NFL. Sound today, courtesy of a Bally Sports Arizona, TNT, ESPN, CBS, Fox, and FS1. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And uh, Cardinals have scored another run while I was you know, spouting off here. Correct. Uh, but, uh, you know, there we go. So it's now 10-4. to 4. So I was right. If the game was again in the end seven to four, so I was right about that. My bold prediction. Uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next, so I can just shut up. Walk off on this prediction Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is a different walk off. I think walk offs are usually when the person talking or you know doing whatever they're doing is walking off because of a good thing. I'm walking off because I just need to shut up. <laughs> uh, we have coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060 from noon to one o'clock. It is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from one to three. Then you have the Rich Eisen Show from three to five. The Sports Who with Dave Rooster Beerstein from five to six. Making room for ASU baseball at U of A. First pitch is six o'clock. Tim Healy has the call. You can hear it here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, or with the KDOS 1060. App. I know you're typically used to hearing dugout chatter on Wednesdays, but since the game is taking place, dugout chatter will now air on Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, numbers for you. The first weekend. Last, last I heard, by the way, the U of A lost nine straight. So I'm not sure if they won any games the last week or so, but uh, 
That's a disaster in Tucson because they put a lot of uh, effort and money into their baseball program, and nine straight losses, not a good thing. And then you have ASU sitting atop the Pac-12 rankings at uh, 11 yeah. and 3, and we'll see the game against the the University of Washington. The Sunday game was canceled. We'll see if that ends up being impactful in any way if they have to make it up somehow uh if it's going to be consequential to the conference standings when it comes to yeah, they do have the pac-12 tournament now remember that correct. Uh, was last year the first year of that or the second year of that but you know, not everybody in the conference automatically makes the tournament and i would assume the u of a is in danger of not even making the pac-12 conference tournament ASU should be good to go. Uh, first weekend yeah. of the NBA playoff games, they averaged 4.15 million viewers between ESPN, ABC, and TNT. That happens to be up 3%, and it's the best since 2011. You had game one of the Kings and the Warriors averaging 6.26 million viewers yeah, on Saturday sense. night. Peaked at 7.56 million. Uh, obviously, that was the one that was much anticipated, and people followed through and were not disappointed with the contest itself. The Lakers and the Grizzlies averaged 5.54 million, peaked at 7.49 million on Sunday. Obviously, Lakers bring the the viewership as well. But that was a close game too. I remember it was a one point game with like two minutes to go, and the Lakers scored like the last 15 points of the yeah. game. Um, so. Yeah, weird weekend for the NBA, though, because you have you know, a couple of injuries, and I'm guessing a lot of people tuned out after Giannis got hurt. Had a couple games that were non-competitive, uh, mainly the Celtics and uh, win and the, and the Nuggets win, so I'm guessing that those weren't ratings bonanzas. I'm guessing the Suns and the, and the Clippers got a good rating because that was, uh, you know, we all acted like on Monday that the Suns had gotten killed, but, you know, that was a close game throughout, and... Uh, and so I'm guessing that uh, you know, people tuned in to, and watched that entire game. So where I was getting my information from, it only told me that the Suns and the Clippers uh, dominated the 18 to like 49 category. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's quite a, quite, quite a range of people, 18 to 49? Yeah. So well, there wow. you go. Okay. Okay. But uh, that'll do it for this edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and, of course, with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Enjoy your Wednesday. We'll do it again tomorrow, starting with the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp at 9 a.m.